The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's been at Hip at Ben and Hip sitting in the guest co host chair. Today's guests, plural guests, on Talk of Champions, Mike Clement, Ole Miss hitting coach for Ole Miss baseball, obviously. And David Johnson, he works with me at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports for a recruit check. It's been a while. I don't know what's going on with Ole Miss football recruiting. Neither does Bennett, but David does. So he's going to come on in just a little bit. But first, it's Bennett. Bennett, what's going on, man? Not much, man. How are you? Good. What's been going on in your world? 
Not a whole lot, man. Um, good weekend. A lot, a lot of draft stuff going on, baseball going on. Feels like it's kind of like slowing down now. Now that the draft is done and all that, it's kind of a dead period for a little while. Not a whole lot happening. Ole Miss baseball, but outside of that, yes. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a ton going on. Ole Miss football was well represented in the NFL draft. Your number one surprise from the draft is what? Um, I'm surprised DK fell as far as he did. Um, I, I figured, you know, um, I, I think we both knew he wasn't going to be a first round guy, but I don't know that any of us saw him falling to the last pick of the second round and nearly into the third round. So that, that surprised me a good bit. I know there's some risk there, um, with his profile, but you know, the things that he does well, um, he does really, really well. So that, that surprised me quite a bit. I think perfect fit in Seattle. Oh, yeah. The one thing he does better than pretty much anyone else in the draft is vertical route running, and he's now with the best deep ball thrower in Russell Wilson. The second biggest surprise for me after DK, DeMarcus Lodge going undrafted. He ends up signing a deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but it was surprising to see DeMarcus Lodge not have his name called. Yeah, I thought so, too. I don't know. I'm not still not sure what the deal is there. I know it didn't test particularly great, but – um, he's got a lot of really good film of him doing a lot of things. And, um, you know, for the questions that DK kind of has with his route tree, DeMarcus doesn't really have those same questions. So I, I'm uh, that surprised me as well. But um, if you're talking landing spots, I, I think Tampa Bay is a pretty good one. Bruce Arians, really good offensive mind. Jameis is a pretty good quarterback. Um, they threw the ball down the field quite a bit last year. So if there there's going to be a spot for him to kind of catch on and, and get into a receiver rotation, I think Tampa Bay is a pretty good one. Best fit as far as where former Rebels ended up? I think Greg Little in Carolina is um, – I knew it. You, Homer. Well, no, I mean, you know, it's uh, – Great. Carolina thought that he was a left tackle from the beginning. As soon as they picked Brian Burns at 16, they were calling teams trying to get back into the first round to draft Greg, and they just couldn't get the price right. And then on day two, they traded up to 37. They they had picked 47, so they moved up 10 spots, gave up a, a high third-round pick to do it, and went and got Greg, and he's going to be their left tackle. And he's not going to, you know, they made clear that, hey, you got to earn your spot. But in an ideal world, week one, they're trotting out Greg Little as their left tackle. Um, so I, I think for him, it's a it's a team that believes in him, that didn't worry about some of the draft narratives about him being soft or him not being having enough competitive fire or whatever it is. They think he can play. They think he's a, a franchise left tackle, and they gave up a lot to get him, and they believe in him. So I, I think it's a perfect fit for him, and uh, I think he's going to do well. Dawson Knox in Buffalo is so strange. It's um, It, it kind of felt like they were just kind of wanting to add some athletic, athleticism there, and they said, hey, we'll just bet on Dawson. And I think it could work in a way, but – uh, I don't know that of the teams that I thought Dawson was a good fit for, I don't know that Buffalo really came into my mind at all. But, um, you know, that's offense that's kind of evolving. You know, that they're going to probably cut uh, LaShawn McCoy here in a couple weeks before camp starts. Um, they've added a couple of receivers, Cole Beasley, John Brown. So they clearly want to throw the ball more, and uh, hopefully Dawson will find a spot there. Who won the weekend? The Ole Miss player who had the biggest weekend. It could be baseball, draft. Who won the weekend for Ole Miss this weekend? I think Dunn Casey. I thought he was fantastic yeah, he was this great. weekend and, and just uh, continues to really be 
spectacular for them in a Saturday role and, and really has kind of stabilized that rotation for them. So it is hard to kind of go somewhere else besides him, I think, at least for me. Greg Little might have won the weekend, but I'm giving it to Gunnar Hogland. He went a career-high six innings in game three yeah, he was to good. beat Texas A&M Clint's sweep. Yeah, he's very good. And you, you kind of hope that that's, you know, a uh, – a harbinger of things to come that he's kind of turning a corner, figuring some things out. You know, it's been a pretty inconsistent season for him so far, but we all know the talents there. You, you don't go in the, in the first round of the MLB draft or wherever he went without being extremely talented. So it's all about kind of putting it together and learning to pitch at this level and um, learning to pitch with guys on base. So hopefully that was a uh, first of many good starts for him, but definitely encouraging to see 36th overall to the Pittsburgh pirates. I'll be honest. He hasn't looked like a first-round pick for most of the year. I don't know what he's supposed to look like. I'm not a scout. I'm not an evaluator. But he never just jumped off the field for me as, oh, that guy is better than everyone else. What was the scouting report? What made Gunnar Hoglund the prospect that he was? And what did you see in his latest outing that maybe led you to believe he's more that player now than he was Definitely well, I think, the, the I think the draft is tough, be, you know, because I would say, oh, yeah, this guy's a first round pick and you know that that puts X expectations on him or whatever. Um, so I, but it's different, you know, in basketball, you know, if you're a first round pick, you have these clearly defined skills. You have elite athleticism or you can shoot, you can do this or that um, with baseball. It's, there's so much projection involved that, you know, sometimes you're going to be first round picks that don't jump off the page from a. Uh, blow you away tools standpoint I, I think for Gunner what what his what teams saw in him was a guy that threw a ton of strikes that had you know a, a big frame you know he, he's a big guy he's strong um, you can dream on the fastball you know picking up velocity as he gets stronger gets bigger gets more developed um, you know good stuff with this breaking ball it's, it's just not explosive stuff but the total there's a there's a chance that you put everything together and you can kind of see a middle of the rotation guy who is just a guy that gives you 180, 190 innings of quality pitching over a year. So he's more of a sum of all parts guy than than kind of one caring tool. Um, but I think you're just he's starting to learn how to pitch. And you know there was all that talk in high school about how he didn't walk anybody and and all that kind of stuff. But that means he didn't really learn how to pitch with guys on base. And so he's having to do that now. And it, it's really hard to learn and pitch at the same time in the SEC. And he's, he's struggled with it, but seems like he's starting to kind of figure things out and um, kind of turn into the guy that almost thought he was going to be at the beginning of the year. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's been at Hip. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Mike Clement. Ole Miss baseball hitting coach coming up in just a minute. Before we get to him, this weekend felt different, didn't it? It did. It it did. Um, I don't really know. They're they're such such a strange team, um, but they they really, from an offensive standpoint, they they were locked in. And even against the left-handed guys that they struggle against, they had good at bats and they saw a lot of pitches and they, and they worked deep counts. And even if they didn't have the you know the big innings against some of the left-handed guys, they got them out of the game and it just kind of uh, I don't know. They looked like they had a plan, and there's a lot of times where you see them against left-handers and they look just completely clueless. And this weekend was not that at all. They hit left-handed pitching and they hit it well. And the plan you mentioned it looked like they had one as ter- in terms of making the pitchers work, working the counts, attacking fastball. They didn't wait back. They weren't on their heels. Anthony Servideo actually hit a lefty. So 
there are a lot of positive things to come from the weekend. Are you buying or selling Ole Miss right now as a postseason team? It's easy to say coming off a sweep, but have they turned a corner? It feels like we've asked this question all year. Um, you know, I, I tend to think they have, but again, you know, I think it's so tough because they could easily go to, to Baton Rouge this weekend and lose two out of three and they're kind of back in the same spot. So it's, um, it, it's one of those things where I want to see one more weekend. I want to see, especially going on the road, um, and this is not a peak LSU team by any means, but it's a place where Ole Miss has not played well in such a long time. And so I think if they go down there and win two or three, they come back and you're sitting, you know, 15 and 10 or wherever they would be, 15 and 11, you would just be in such a good spot from a win standpoint that you would have to think they turn the corner. But I just want to see one more weekend. I want to see I want to see them put to put together back to back weekends um, against pretty good teams, one at home, one on the road. And then I'll be more willing to kind of say, OK, now that they've kind of figured things out and ride the ship. What does Ole Miss hitting coach Mike Clement think of the weekend that was and also the week coming up for road games at Southern Miss Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central Time and then at LSU for three? This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Ben at Hip at Ben at Hip. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern Woodman representative. It wasn't so long ago. I'm talking a couple of months where financially I needed some help. Not that I was struggling but getting my finances in order, organizing my money so that I'm in the best position for retirement, preparing for college for my kids and everything else. I'm sure most every one of you can relate. And that's why you should do like me and contact Thomas Chandler today. He's your local modern woodman representative and he'll get you right for retirement or savings or whatever you need. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. What does modern woodman do though, you might ask? Financial security for you and your family through life insurance, financial planning, and financial services. Quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities. And community impact through volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. It's time to get rid of your financial burden. Contact Thomas Chandler, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Or you can check him out at www.modernwoodman.org www.modernwoodman.org. That's Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. The podcast is also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there recently. And you're just looking to get the best deal. And if that's the case, to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell right now. So you, the consumer, need to make sure you're taking advantage of all the deals available to you from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. And what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans, and they'll want to talk some Ole Miss baseball, basketball, spring football just wrapped up. Football coming up in the fall, and of course, Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. But above all else, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible and get you what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford today. That's just past Kroger, Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels. Let's be friends. Joining me now on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line is Ole Miss baseball hitting coach Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball at Southern Miss Wednesday, May 1st at 6 p.m. Central Time, and then a road trip to LSU this weekend, coming off a sweep of Texas A&M. Mike, what's going on, man? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on again. It's always good to have you on, especially after Ole Miss has such a successful weekend like it did um, against Texas A&M, sweeping the Aggies. Hitting lefties, that's something we've talked about before. 
raising that batting average, the batting average doesn't really matter, to like 250 for the year with a successful weekend. What's your overall takeaway in terms of what the bats were able to do this weekend? Um, I, I was pleased. And, you know, I don't know. Um, obviously, I had a big middle game there where we had a bunch of hits and scored a bunch of runs. Um, but I was pleased for the fact that I think um, – from from the first guy to the last guy, that's the best pitching staff that we've faced this year, and maybe the best pitching staff that we will face. Um, just A and M is 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 able to bring arm after arm, and and it's a it's a and you and I have talked about it in the past, and I knew it was going to be the case, and probably told you maybe, maybe off the record, but for sure I know we talked about it. it that that was going to be the toughest matchup from a, just a, a pitching staff versus our offense uh, standpoint that we'll that we'll have all year. And so I was proud of our guys and it, and it wasn't necessarily about the number of hits, but it was just the, the number of quality at bats. Um, we made those guys work. We got starters out of the game, got to bullpen. Um, and I thought, I thought did a really good job of just being competitive all weekend offensively. A number of different players have been offensive catalysts for Ole Miss, but none more than Gray Kessinger. What's worked for him to be on the run that he's on? I think 33 straight games getting on base. No, no doubt. Um, I think the biggest thing for Gray, and I think I feel like most of the time I come on here, I talk about some approach or mental adjustment, and and really um, with Gray it was more physical. Um, Gray is uh, by nature a pull-oriented swinger, and uh, we, um, myself included, really worked hard. Uh, over the course of the fall and uh, in early spring about him using the entire field. And he got into a little bit of a rut at the beginning of the year, really trying too hard to hit the ball the other way, which can be just as big a problem as not hitting the ball the other way. And um, we had uh, a day off or not, a, not a day off, but a game, a day we weren't, we weren't playing. We were just practicing and um, Gray and I were in the cage before practice and, and, uh, I just asked him, hey, do you feel like you're trying to push it too much the other way? He said yes. And so what he's done, the, the physical adjustment he's made is just he's taken like a half a step up closer to the plate. And it's just the, the, the verbiage has been, hey, you just get your very best swing off. Don't worry about where the ball goes. Um, and, and obviously he has just absolutely taken off. Now, some of that is he hit into some bad luck earlier in the year, and it was a matter of time before he – before he swung the bat well and man it's almost uh when he gets a good pitch and he like flies out now it's like i'm shocked um just because he has absolutely squared balls up and it seems like the outs he makes somebody's making a circus catch like on saturday and um man he's like you said he's been our catalyst i mean there's no doubt about it if you look at our stats and sec play i mean he's in the top five in the league in almost every offensive category Tyler Keenan mentioned after a game over the weekend that he's made some mechanical adjustments to his swing, got an opposite field home run over the weekend. What has he done at the plate to fix things, whatever he needed to fix? Yeah, his 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 front side, so his stride and his load um, were a little bit off. And so uh, he's done a good job of – he's not a leg kick guy necessarily, but if you if you watch him mechanically, his front foot, his right foot as a, as a left-handed hitter um, – he just kind of picks it up and kind of hovers almost as if he was a, a leg kick guy and he's made an adjustment, just leaving that, that foot uh, up off the ground and being able to gather himself on his backside um, and then getting it down on time. And it's, and it's been really good. And like you said, um, he's the guy that if you're the traditional um, look at the batting average home runs and RBIs, obviously his home runs and RBIs are really good, 
Um, but if you just look at the batting average, you'd be like, yeah, he's kind of up and down this year. But for what we want him to be on base, slugging, driving the ball, hitting the ball out of the yard, um, and he's been as consistent and as good as anybody we got. There's been an up-and-down nature to this team all year. This weekend felt different. Thomas Dillard acknowledged it. Mike Bianco acknowledged it. Did you sense that as well in the dugout, that even when faced with adversity, 3-0 in Game 1, going into the eighth inning, that this team was going to come back and win? Did it seem different to you? It definitely did. And and I don't know if it's a product of um, playing at home, but you can say the same thing. You know, We play Kentucky at home, and obviously that's our worst series loss of the year. Um, but there's some, you know, and again, you don't make excuses. It's it's our league and all of that. There's some outstanding circumstances playing two seven eight games against Kentucky, which I don't think played into our favor. But um, yeah, there was there was just a, a sense of uh, of confidence uh, to our club this this week. And I don't know if it was uh, not playing well against State in the midweek down in Pearl or or what it was um, that. And I feel like we for whatever reason. Um, you know, we play pretty well against Texas A&M for whatever reason. And, um, you know, we've, we've won a couple series in a row with them being the top 10 team and um, have played well. Whatever the reason is, um, you know, our, our guys just had a, had a sense of confidence to them. And even we were down 3 nothing against a really good pitching staff. It just felt like it was a matter of time. And there was a, there was a confidence uh, about our team that, that was good, really good. I don't know if you can quantify it. I don't know how you do it, but how do you bottle that up? Whatever that it is, is it a leadership thing? Is that what it comes back to? Sure. I think it's, I think it's leadership more than anything. And, um, you know, we're a veteran club, especially, you know, from the offensive standpoint and, um, and we've been good, um, but a little bit inconsistent. And I think, you know, the veterans on our team, the good thing is, man, they, they, they for the most part in their careers have no, known how to finish and, and that's something in Mike's time here that, um, you know, I feel like we've been we've been pretty good at. You know, I think we started out eight and seven last year, and we talked about going ten and five the last the last half of the SEC season a year ago, and end up being a national seed. And I just feel like that's kind of uh, that's kind of what what we what we have been for the most part, with very few exceptions during Mike's tenure here. And um, and I don't know if our guys feel bad if they know that. Uh, because of you guys in the media or, or what it is, but um, there is, there's just a sense of, all right, it's our time to play well. Um, knock on wood, you hope, you hope we can do that these last three series. We talked to Thomas after a second walk-off play, this one being scoring a run from third, dashing home to beat Texas A&M and clinch the sweep. And he said he's tried to take on more of a vocal leadership role, that he's usually a guy who leads by example. Have you seen that from him? Yeah, I have. And, and it's, I think that's the good thing with, with that junior group. Most of those guys, and I don't think it's a bad thing, and I don't think to be that, are more of the lead-by-example type player. Um, you know, Gray is that way. Thomas is that way. Zebo is for sure that way. The one guy who, who fits into the more vocal leadership role is Cooper, um, you know, and, and he's always been that, and, and it continues to be that. But it's been nice to have um, Thomas, and Thomas by nature is just – he's got positivity to him. And, and part of it is a supreme confidence in his own ability. But, um, you know, he's, he's always been a positive guy. He very rarely gets down. And for him being vocal, I think that's big for our team just because that's his, that's his nature anyways to be very positive. What I think is the most telling thing about Thomas Dillard is that even when he's having tough stretches at the plate, he doesn't let it affect him. It doesn't let it affect other areas of his game. Have you seen that too? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, 
uh, I give him more credit for, for exactly what you just said um, than I give him credit for anything. Because even as a freshman who hit whatever he hit, 200 um, and struggled, he was the one guy in the group that um, I felt like was ready to break out at any time, even though he didn't. Um, and, I, and I mean that as credit to him because of what you're saying. Like he came to the plate with some confidence all the time. And like he was just the same guy every day coming to the ballpark. It wasn't some, uh, I didn't feel like I needed to play psychologist with him. Um, and, and he is, he's a super consistent kid, comes with a good attitude every day and, and a work ethic and just positivity. Um, and I think that radiates off of him to other guys for sure. Four road games this week at Southern Miss, Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central Time, then at LSU for three. What do you see in Southern Miss and what do you see in LSU? What's the challenge ahead? With Southern Miss, they've played really well. They've won a bunch of games in a row. Um, they've really started to rattle them off in their league. Um, you know, again, knock on the wood, we've had a we've had a good run against them. And <laughs> in a in a weird way, uh, you know, Hattiesburg may be as tough a place to play as 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 Baton Rouge for us because uh, boy, there's some real hate that uh, for Ole Miss when we go play there. Um, in Baton Rouge, it's just a lot of people. They're really loud, but they're pulling for their team. Um, I feel like people show up in Hattiesburg um, to cheer against us as opposed to cheer for their team. So um, it, our, our, we'll have our hands full. Two really good teams. Um, and, you know, obviously once you get over to Baton Rouge, it's a team with the same same conference record as what, what we have. And, um, you know, they play really, really well at home. And so, um, you know, we'll have our hands full for sure. But uh, the way we're playing right now, I like our chances. There's so much talk from us, from fans, about hosting at this point. Does the team pay attention to that? Is there a, a number in mind that you have to get to to secure that that hosting spot? Uh, we talk a ton about staying where we're at, you know, all of the coach cliche things. Um, but your question is, uh, does our team know about that? And I think the answer is yes. Um, because one of our goals, one of our stated goals is, you know, is to host. And, and so I think our guys aren't naive to the fact that, you know, we're, 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 we've put ourselves because of last weekend into the discussion where you guys can talk about it. And, um, you know, you start to guess, I'm sure you guys in the media start to guess, you know, how many more wins do we need to feel comfortable hosting? Um, and yeah, I think our guys know that now I don't, we, we haven't talked about a goal like, Hey, we need to get to 17 and, um, or get to 18. If, if you're talking to me and, and you and I are talking and you're asking that question, I think, you know, I think you got a shot at 17. I think you feel pretty good about things at 18. And then more than that, you start maybe even getting into the national seat uh, discussion. If you can get the 19 and then you're talking about winning the West also um, all of those things. So yeah, I think our guys know um, just because, we have a veteran group and they've been around the block and they, you know, they have hosted. And so they, they know what it takes. And obviously, um, you know, statistics say the best way, the best way to get to Omaha is, is to play at home. And obviously that's, that's the case with us, with our fan base and, and, and playing at Swayze. There's three SEC series left. It's getting that time toward the end of the year where you can feel the postseason coming. You can get kind of caught up in the weeds as a team during the year, the monotony of the year, the grind that it is around this time. Uh, do, do you sense the team cutting it on? Can you tell that this team feels the end game arriving? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think it's a good thing. I think with some uh, programs that I've been around, um, that, that is a thing that comes with anxiety. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, with, 
since I've been here, I feel like it's a really good thing. They know it's kind of the stretch run and they get so tired of us as coaches. I'm sure talking about how, Hey, the fifth game of the SEC season is just as important as the 30th. And, uh, you know, Hey, we're going to, you know, it's all about the process, not about the results. We're going to be where our feet are. We're going to play pitch to pitch. All of those kinds of things that you hear coaches talk about in every single sport um, that you probably roll your eyes at when you have a microphone up to the coaches. Uh, I think our guys sense that the end is coming, and, it, and there's some excitement to it because we've had success in Hoover, because um, we've played well down the stretch. I think all of those things factor into it. Um, it, 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 there's an element of, of, of excitement, and I think that's a good thing because if they were worried more about the draft or um, you know, getting the summer ball or anything like that, you'd be really scared. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. Yes, you're the hitting coach, but you can assess the full thing here. Um, this pitching staff, Doug Nikhazy and Gunnar Hogland specifically, coming off a weekend in which they both had really impressive outings. Gunnar went a career-high six innings. Just the stabilizing force that that is and what that can mean going forward, continuing to have the success they had. I'm sure as a coaching staff, you couldn't be more encouraged right now. Oh, man. Thrilled. Thrilled. Um, I think it was, you know, the, the staff was a huge question mark, and I think it was probably a huge question mark up until a month ago. And you start looking at, at numbers. We've pitched better inside the SEC than we have outside of the SEC, which is remarkable and just goes to show that guys are, are getting developed and, you know, last done a wonderful job with, um, with our pitching staff and Mike has too. And, um, you know, those young guys just keep getting better. And, you know, Doug was pretty special the first time he stepped foot on the mound, but he's continued to get better, you know, well, I think went seven and struck out 10, didn't walk anybody against A&M. And then, like you said, Gunner went, went six and he's starting to figure it out. So, um, man, you get those guys going and, and we become pretty scary on the mound and feel like we're already scary offensively. And so uh, you start to see what, what, uh, what the potential is for this team, you know, moving forward, hopefully for the last uh, eight weeks of the season. Doug is completely unflappable. Of all the freshman pitchers that you've seen, He's got to rank up there as far as just the mental mindset, the the way he approaches the game. He just doesn't get phased in any way. Listen, man, this guy, um, <laughs> he rides a skate. I mean, you've heard the story. He rides a skateboard around campus. He beats, uh, when I say uh, he marches to the beat of his own drum, my man marches to the beat of his own drum. Like, uh, you know, the, whatever that stereotype is of the goofy left-hander, he fits it. <laughs> and, uh he is his own dude. And I, and I think that helps. Like he gets out there and he's talking to himself. He sprints from the dugout to the mound. And I don't know if you noticed, like he don't want anybody handing him a ball. And so he asked the umpire, Hey, will you roll the ball on the ground before the inning starts? So I can pick it up off the ground. It's, it's crazy stuff like that is, is unfazed. He is unfazed. He is out there having fun and uh, really good at what he does. That is the perfect lefty story. Having the ball rolled to you at the mound, that's a left-hander if there ever was a left-hander. It's like Trevor Bauer before he goes out and pitches a game. I have to throw the ball 100 miles an hour. I have to throw the ball across the field. Come on, man. That's him. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. Okay, one of the last things we'll get out of here. Offensively, what's the philosophy, at least late season now, as far as sticking to what's worked well? What have you emphasized over the last month or so? You don't change things up. You try to stick to process, but is there anything that's clicked that's worked that you would like to see continue to be emphasized and carry over as the postseason gets closer and almost arrives? Yeah, I think, you know, from a, from a lineup standpoint, 
Um, while we have, like you said at the beginning, we saw it better against left-handers and we faced two of the best left-handers in our league last weekend and we'll face, uh, you know, another one next weekend with, with Mississippi state. But, uh, the one thing you'd like to get solidified is, you know, who, who, who fills that DH role against, against lefts. And, uh, yeah, we're obviously really good against right. From a philosophy standpoint, you know, what this team has been great at is, man, we get on base and, you know, I think we lead the league in walks. And we're either at or, or, or at the top or, or really close to the top in the fewest amount of strikeouts. So we just get on base and our OPS is really, really good because we you know, got some guys who can drive the ball out of the yard. So the offense has been very, very productive. And now you start to get warmer weather. You know, the, the south winds at most ballparks are blown out of the yard. And I think that plays into our advantage. And we have a bunch of guys with a bunch of bats under their belt that are swinging it pretty well. Um, you know, I think it – it's advantage us as far as that goes. So it's more of a, let's keep this ball rolling um, than anything. Obviously there's a few tweaks you, you want to, you want to have, but, uh, but I'm proud of the offense. I'm proud of, um, you know, w- where we're at and it's just important that we continue to keep it rolling and, and, and keep the consistency that we had this past weekend. He's Ole Miss hitting coach, Mike Clement, always insightful. My friend, I appreciate you coming on best of luck this week. And we'll talk again. You got it, buddy. Anytime. That was Mike Clement, Ole Miss hitting coach. This is Talk of Champions. He joined us on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Thomas Dillard taking on more of a leadership role. You've seen it. Uh, starting to vocalize his leadership a little bit more. Do you buy into that? You can't quantify it, but is that something that's needed for a team? Do you buy the whole veteran presence of baseball? I don't know that I buy veteran presence. I just think you have to have a presence from someone, you know, and and I think it's tough because I think in general we do say, oh, well, you got a veteran guy here. That guy should be a leader. But not every person is kind of built to be that way. Some guys are very vocal. Some guys are more lead by example guys. And some guys are are just more of a a follower. And none of those are wrong. But it's just a – you never can just say, oh, well, this guy is a junior or whatever – he needs to be a leader. Well, some guys just aren't, you know, that's just not how they're wired. So I think whether it's a freshman or a junior or whoever, um, I think veteran leadership is important and having someone vocally be there to say, Hey, let's do this. Let's do that is really important. But I don't know. I I think we fall into the trap too often of, of veteran leadership as opposed to just finding someone, no matter who it is, um, to be that guy. I think the most interesting thing that Mike mentioned was teams just like us, are aware of the numbers, what they have to get to, to, for example, host. Now, they're not in there saying, okay, guys, got to win this one because we've got to get to 17, but they're aware of it. They understand it. Where does Ole Miss have to get to, do you think, to host and to position themselves in the best place to make a run in the postseason once they get there? Well, I mean, they're at, what, 13 wins right now in conference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got three series left, so that's nine games. you got to figure they at least got to go five and four, um, you know, maybe six and three to kind of feel good about it. Um, which is not an easy task by any means, but it's also, you know, when you do have 13 wins at this point, you kind of put yourself in position to, to make a run here. So it feels like five and four and they're kind of beyond the bubble there, six and three, you feel pretty good about it. And, uh, anything less than that, the numbers just become pretty hard to, to make them work. The hard thing to project going forward is that they have to do it on the road. You got at LSU and at Tennessee to close it out and the home series is against Mississippi state. And ever since sweeping Mississippi State, I think they're two for their last 11 or two for their last 13, so two and 11. 
against Mississippi State. It's not an easy road, so you're going to have to go take it. You're not going to just get anything handed to you. You're going to have to do like last weekend to where you fall behind 3 nothing and you stay in it, you stay engaged, and you win the game anyway. There are going to be times where you're faced with adversity, but for the first time all year, I feel pretty confident that even when faced with adversity, they'll be able to come out on the other side of it and, and get it done when they need to. And that's something I don't think we could have said earlier in the year about this baseball team. No, not at all. Uh, I think for so long this season, they've looked kind of uptight and anxious and just like they're pressing and the expectations and whether it was um, a, a hangover from last year or whatever it was, it just seemed like there was something weighing them down that they couldn't just kind of relax and just go play baseball. And it seems like they finally figured out a way to put that stuff out of their heads and just go out there and, and just kind of relax and go play. And they, they've, you know, the results have kind of swung their way as they've done that. But so hopefully that's just a, um, not a blip on the radar, but instead something they've actually figured out and can kind of carry over the last three weeks. Because like you said, you know, it's easy to kind of win at home. You know, you got the crowd behind you. It's all that kind of stuff. It's a little different going on the road, especially someplace like Baton Rouge where, crowd's going to be all over you and it's not a friendly environment by any means Then you come home and you've got the rivalry deal and then you're going on the road again for Tennessee so it's um, definitely not an easy stretch but if they kind of figure something out from a mental standpoint you certainly feel better about it than you would a couple weeks ago sticking with baseball a little bit Jerry on Ely as reported by Baseball America recently or at least projected by Baseball America at least expected right now it feels like momentum going towards him ending up at Ole Miss. That could be a big deal both for Ole Miss baseball and Ole Miss football. David Johnson will have a recruit check in just a couple of minutes. But if Jerion Ely ends up on campus, what does it mean for the baseball program? What is his profile as a player in baseball? And, of course, football as a running back, what kind of a rival importance do you put on that should Jerion Ely make it to campus? Well, I think baseball first, I think you can start to dream on putting together a pretty athletic outfield. You know, he he you know, he's not without flaws, but – from a pure speed and athleticism standpoint, that's a guy that can be a legitimate outfielder. And and the the thing with Mike Bianco for a while has been, um, you know, sometimes they don't have a lot of those legitimate real outfielders. They're always converted shortstops or converted second baseman or converted whoever. Um, Ely is a legitimate outfielder that has legitimate defensive skills out there and, and can really move. So I think it'd be big for them from that standpoint. And then football, obviously. Um, you have Scotty Phillips, but you know, Jerry gives you something else. And in this offense that Rich Rod wants to run, it's going to be a little bit more run base, a little bit more of a, uh, you know, a complete opposite of what they were doing last season under Phil Longo. Having a number two guy like Jaron Ely just gives you so many more options and really opens things up. So um, quality depth is can never be underrated, and especially with Ely, um, he's going to be more of a, a 1B starter than, a, than a, just a true backup. Biggest impact would be in baseball or football? Um, ooh, it's tough. I think it might be football year one um, just because you have Scotty, obviously, but um, Ole Miss is still trying to find some playmakers there on offense, and Ely is going to be better and, and more athletic than most of the guys Ole Miss will trot out there. So whether it's him as a pure running back or if he's in the slot or doing different things, I, I think he can make a huge impact and can even go some two back sets with him and Phillips on the field together. So I, I'm going to say football for sure. Scotty Phillips would have to be a little nervous. That kid comes in and figures I don't, out. I don't, know that he, I don't know that you're nervous. I mean, Phillips is a guy that you know was really, really good last year. But, I, but he I do had think, all the carries last year. Sure, sure. And and he also you know kind of wore down at the end. I mean, yeah. they, there's, there's, you know, 
having he was a really good last year. But there was a little as Isaiah Willard, but not a lot. Yeah, that yeah, that felt just more of a hey, we've got to find someone to give him a break. And so um, I, I think if you're Scotty Phillips, are you a little worried? No. For me, I think it's more of a hey, take a little bit off your workload and the carries you do get, you'll be a little fresher and you don't have to work, get beat up as much and you have a guy that's going to open up some stuff. So um, I think it's going to be – they can be a really good kind of combination if things work out well. I love the idea of a one-two punch of Scotty Phillips and Jerry Ely. And David Johnson is pretty bullish on this team. Spoiler alert for the interview, winning six games. Offensively, you can never have too much talent, but this team is going to be more run-oriented than it was last year. Though they did run the ball proficiently last year, you could see more of an emphasis on it as far as in the red zone, as in 20 and in. And Jerry Ely helps you in that way. It doesn't hurt to have really a lot of as many good players as you can have, right? Like you, if, if you have Scotty Phillips and Jerry Ely, great. You need as many good players as you can have. Do you see a path then for this team to get to six wins? Not just with Jerry Ely. It's not like he's the difference between four and six. But does this team in any way jump out to you as a potential bowl team? Do I see a path? Sure, I, I think it's possible. But I just the margin for error is so small. You know, you've got to go on the road week one. You got to beat Memphis, a, a pretty good Memphis team, and um, you know you got to beat Arkansas. And that's a team that is young, but they've got a grad transfer quarterback that played for Chad Morris before, so they're going to be better. Um, then you've got to go out and win your non-conference games. You got to you know go beat Cal, and um, so it's just. Yes, I think there's a, a clear path there for six. I, I just um, they're gonna there's not you know, they've got two new coordinators, they've got a new quarterback, they've got new receivers, they've got a lot of new offensive linemen. There's so many things that have to come into place, and the way the schedule sets up, you can't ease your way in, and you know you can't get things right in week five and be good. You've got to be pretty good from the beginning. You you can't. Because um, if you lose one of those early games, whether it's Memphis or Arkansas or whoever, it's hard to find a game on the back end of that schedule to make it up. So they've got to be ready to go from week one. And I just, you know, that's kind of tough. You're asking a lot of a young team with a lot of transition, a lot of turnover. For football, recruiting is the lifeblood. David Johnson covers it better than anybody. He covers it for the Ole Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Rebels247. Joining me now on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line for a recruit check. Check that shit out. Wow. You're here. I'm here. Let's do this. It's time for another recruit check. And joining me on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line. David Johnson, at Rebels247 on Twitter, writes with me at the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, covers football recruiting, football, Ole Miss softball, a ton of stuff for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com. David, how are you, my friend? Hey, Ben, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for coming on. You used to be on this podcast every single day, but now, of course, you've gone on to other pursuits with your own podcast, the Insiders Podcast, which can be found on the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, but I'm glad that you're here today. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm, as always, I am glad to be here. Absolutely. And uh, glad to talk some Ole Miss football recruiting with you. Lots going on on that front. That's what I got to start with immediately. This weekend, Ole Miss had some visitors on campus, picked up a commitment. What's happening right now in Ole Miss football recruiting? 
Yeah, you know, Saturday night, the Rebels pick up a commitment from a linebacker out of Dallas Skyline, Jaquandis Burns. And Burns is a great player in his own right. A 2020, um, he's rated as the number 43 outside linebacker in the nation, Ben. Uh, but he's got some baggage that comes with him, and it's the good kind of baggage. He has a little brother, and I laid eyes on this kid Saturday morning outside the Manning Center. And anytime a kid's name is Bear, uh, you expect something, and he doesn't disappoint visually. Jaquandis Burns' little brother is Bear Alexander. He is a defensive tackle out of the class of 2022. That means right now he's wrapping up his ninth grade final exams, okay? Uh, going to probably be the number one defensive tackle prospect in the nation when his class gets rated. He's six, two and a half, 338 pounds. Thus the name bear. I don't know if that's his God given name or not, but that's how we've got his profile entered. And uh, he's every bit of all of that. Check out the kids offer sheet already been Arizona, Baylor, Florida, Oklahoma state, Ole Miss, Texas, Texas, A&M. And a kid from Texas, when Texas and Texas A&M have offered the in-state kid when he's in ninth grade, you know, he's the real deal. Ole Miss and Mississippi State kind of do the same thing. If they're throwing out offers to ninth graders in the state of Mississippi, you know the kid's a prospect. Uh, that's the greatest thing about Jaquandis Burns' commitment, not to sell him short as an outstanding prospect to be an outside linebacker in Mike McIntyre's 3-4 defensive scheme. But he's got a little brother that is going to be highly coveted. And Jaquandis told me Saturday night as they were driving back to Texas, they're a package deal. They're going to play at the same school. That's big, and that's certainly an important get for Ole Miss for 2020. It's interesting, though. This 2020 class could be a bit different than the one they just signed. 31 prospects in 2019 added for Ole Miss. I was talking to Matt Luke at the Rebel Road Trip stop in Tupelo. He said potentially Ole Miss signs only 15 in this class. If that happens, what do they have to get done? Where do they have to add for sure? Well, they've got to add defensive tackle bodies and bodies along that defensive front, outside linebackers. I think they're okay at the inside linebacker position uh, with the Austin Keys commitment and what they already have on the roster. But the defensive front is paramount. Uh, I think they want to add a couple more offensive linemen to the seven-man class that's coming in here in 19. Uh, in this offense, uh, yeah, you know, receivers, those little joystick-type players are of uh, of high importance. You know, the Elijah Moore, Tyler Knight kind of guys. They've got one already in Kaiwan Herndon out of Jacksonville, Florida. I think they want to add another one of those kind of guys. The biggest thing, though, as you brought up, the numbers, the numbers are going to be a lot different in this class than last year. Uh, they have to be much more accurate in identifying talent, much more careful in taking commitments, uh, particularly at this point in the process. In other words, Ben, they can't miss. They really can't afford to miss when you're talking about potentially a 15-man class. I think it'll balloon up to be 18 or 19 guys by the time attrition is accounted for and things such as that. But uh, it, uh, there is certainly a possibility it could be 15. I'd be remiss when doing a recruit check to not bring up Zachary Evans. He's the five-star running back, top running back in the country. Is Ole Miss going to be a factor until the end? I think they're a factor right now. 
I don't know if there'll be a factor to the end. You know, there was some scuttlebutt that Zach Evans was going to be on campus this past Saturday for the second time this spring. That trip did not materialize. I don't know if you can read anything into that or not. Uh, I think they, they think they're in it right now for Zach Evans. They definitely do. There are a lot of other blue bloods out there uh, in college football that think they're in it for him, too. Uh, far be it for me to predict Zach Evans is going to end up in this class. But I will tell you this. Earlier last week, they were thinking Zach Evans was going to make his second trip to Oxford this spring. Again, it did not happen, but kind of tells you where things are. They're, they're hot with Zach Evans right now. I'm going to throw some names at you. Quick hitters. Brief assessment with each one. You ready? Let's roll. McKinley Jackson. Very, very hot right now. Uh, a month ago, I would have told you McKinley Jackson was likely going to end up at Alabama or at LSU. He still might. Ole Miss has made up some big-time ground with McKinley Jackson. Talked to him Saturday morning. He's liking Ole Miss right now. Jeremiah Pegues. I've always thought J.J. Pegues is going to end up being an Ole Miss Rebel. He grew up in the shadows of Vaught Hemingway Stadium. He likes the idea that Alabama wants him, that Auburn wants him. But in the end, I think J.J. goes with his heart, and he's going to be in red and blue. Josiah Hayes. I've always liked where Ole Miss is with Josiah Hayes. Uh, Ole Miss is going to do much better at Horn Lake High School this go-around than they did last year. Uh, Josiah Hayes is liking Ole Miss. Another kid that they thought was going to be, it would have been at Ole Miss on Saturday, but his high school football team had some community service stuff they were doing. So he and teammate Jaquivion Brown unable to make it Saturday. I like where the Rebel set with both those guys. Dylan Johnson. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, I think Dylan Johnson's going to end up here. I mean, he's got a brother that is transferring into the program, if that tells you anything. A lot of times recruiting is just common sense. That's a pretty commonsensical one, if you ask me. Martavius French. That one, uh, to be honest with you, of the uh, Whitehaven kids, I think uh, Ole Miss probably trails the most for him. There are varying opinions on that. I think they're in better shape for Bryson Eason and Tamari McDonald at Whitehaven than they are for Martavius French. But with that said, French is very much listening to Ole Miss. Marcus Henderson. That one is uh, – that's an interesting one. At one time, I would have told you I thought Ole Miss had the inside track because he has a really good relationship with Matt Luke. Matt was really the first guy that identified Marcus as a big-time prospect. He worked with Marcus one-on-one at a camp when Marcus was in ninth grade. Uh, but Marcus Henderson has some big-time suitors, and he's listening to them all. Uh, I'm not real comfortable with where Ole Miss sets with Marcus Henderson right now. The Nicobe Dean Award, who's the must-get for Ole Miss in this recruiting class? Well, you know, I, I think at this point it's McKinley Jackson. Uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't have said that again uh, maybe even a month ago because I didn't think Ole Miss had a real fighting shot with McKinley Jackson. That has changed. Ole Miss has a great shot with McKinley Jackson right now uh, for what – Ever reason he's been to Ole Miss two out of the last three weekends that that tells you about everything you need to know. Uh, you know when you got a shot at marrying the the, the hottest chick in the room, uh, she's got to be the most important chick in the room. He's the most important recruit for them right now in this class moving ahead. He's the number one prospect in the state of Mississippi. I think Baseball America recently projected Jerion Ely to end up at Ole Miss. What's the latest with him? The five star running back side in 2019. I talked to Jerry on about two weeks ago, Ben, and, uh, you know, he said all the right things. He's studying up the Ole Miss playbook. He's in constant communication with Derek Nix and Rich Rodriguez, preparing himself like he is going to be a college football player. I do think 
uh, and you could call it the Kyler Murray effect, whatever you want to call it, that uh, I think the pendulum is swinging more and more towards Jerion Ely playing college football right now than ever before. And you and I have talked about this extensively in the past. Neither one of us have ever felt that way. But right now, I'm getting the vibe Jerion Ely is going to show up in Oxford, Mississippi. If he shows up, how quickly does he contribute? Immediately. He is an immediate impact kind of guy. He gives Rich Rodriguez's spread offense an entirely different gear uh, with him being there. And all of a sudden, coupled with Scotty Phillips and a guy like Jerry Ely, Ole Miss may arguably have the best backfield in the Southeastern Conference. It's not quite recruiting, but it kind of is. Watching it in the spring, the players who are already here and the ones arriving, who made the biggest impression on you in the spring and who do you most anticipate arriving come the summer semesters? You know, the guy I'm looking forward to arriving the most is is John Rice Plumley. I want to see what he can do. And I I think by all accounts, he's going to be given a shot to to be their number two quarterback. I mean, when you go back and look through spring, Ken K. Dent uh, surprised us all with how well he performed in the Grove Bowl. I still think Grant Tisdale is swimming a little bit, as is as are all the freshmen. Uh, but uh, I think who is going to back up Matt Corral is very much still an open question. I think Plumley could be an answer to that. So I'm really anticipating him. As far as a freshman on campus. Um, you know, who got here early during the spring that I like the most, uh, man, I mean, Snoop Connor jumps all out over to me. And again, you go back to that Ole Miss backfield. You already have Scotty Phillips back there. You've got Snoop Connor, who was a leading rusher in the Grove Bowl and shined throughout the entire spring practice, put Jerry on Ely into that mix. And, and I, I would put the Ole Miss backfield up against anybody in the SEC. I got to put you on the spot. We've done it and talked about it before. You're pretty bullish on this team winning six games next year. I am. I, I am. I think that sometimes, uh, and this is going to sound crazy, sometimes talent isn't everything when you're talking about team chemistry and you're talking about team goals and you're talking about what kind of team uh, that's going to run through the tunnel every Saturday afternoon. I think the, uh, the Rich Rodriguez influence, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, is going to make this a much tougher football team, a much more determined football team, a football team that's going to go on the field expecting to win games no matter who they're playing. I think all in all, the chemistry, the improvement in the coaching department, uh, the fact that um, you've got a whole bunch of blue-collar kids out there and they've they've all got chips on their shoulder with something to prove. Uh, nobody's going to be preseason all anything on this Ole Miss football team this year. Sands for maybe an Alex Givens at an offensive tackle spot. Uh, these are a bunch of nobody, no-name guys, and I'm not saying that to try to be derogatory to them, but uh, you know they want to prove something, and I think that's going to translate into a better football team. I'm not saying a more talented football team, but a better football team all things considered than what you saw last year. I can hear it right now. David, you're a homer. You're a homer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's coming. I'm telling you, though. I've seen it. I've seen it from – I know what they're doing every day. I I know how physical spring practice was. It has not been that way. And I'm not saying it was being done wrongly, but it's being done differently right now. And it's being done with a level of intensity that in the 10 years I've been covering this football team – I haven't seen before. 
He's David Johnson at Rebels247 on Twitter. Works with me at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and a foot of 247 Sports. Check out his podcast, The Insiders, on the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. Anytime, Ben. Glad to be back with you. That was David Johnson, my coworker at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, joining us on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at ChaneysPharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The week that's coming up, you got at LSU for three, at Southern Miss on Wednesday. That's really pretty much it for Ole Miss sports outside of obviously softball and other things like that. And softball had a big series win against Tennessee over the weekend. What are you watching for this week in Ole Miss sports? It's got to be got to be baseball. Um, you know, it's kind of a chance to kind of exercise the demons and go down to Baton Rouge and win a series for the first time in a, a long time. And uh, if you can do that, Ole Miss has kind of put itself in a position to to host. And that would have been crazy to say a couple weeks ago, but this turnaround they've had has really been really impressive. And this is kind of a kind of a prove it weekend, I think. Go down there, find a way to get to and, and get back to Oxford and you're kind of on their way. So it's um, it's a big weekend for them. So I think they're obviously the focus. Yeah, for me, it's like this. You had a huge weekend against Texas A&M. Now go show me it was real. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Back it up, you know. you um, feels like you broke serve and, and you know, got a sweep. Now it's time to go hold, hold your own serve and, and go win two out of three down there. So – it's um I'm just kind of fascinated by it. If it was a road series anywhere else, I think I'd feel differently. But because of the history they have in Baton Rouge and haven't haven't won a, a series there in forever, um, just adds a little extra dynamic to it. That I don't know if that's better for them or worse for them. And I'm not sure the current players care, but um, I think as a fan base, people do care and remember. So it's going to be an interesting weekend for sure. Yeah, because Ole Miss fans have been here before with this team, where they were ready to jump on board and believe only to get burned again. So now that the postseason is getting closer, the calendar is flipping to May. Go win a series at LSU, and you'll see a, a fan base that's been up and down with you as a team all year jump on board pretty heavily as it prepares to potentially make a run uh, in the postseason towards Omaha or just getting out of a regional for the second time in the last decade. Yeah, this fan base is ready to kind of – they're ready to hop on. They're ready for a run here, and you know they want to get behind this team. But it's been a really inconsistent team, and you know we talked about this before. It's one that's taken a while for for Bianco to kind of figure out how to manage them from a you know lineup standpoint and from a bullpen standpoint. There's been a, a lot of pieces um, that have had to fall into place, and it looks like they've finally done that. And now it's just about. I think if they go down and win two out of three, uh, I think the attitude around the program and the fan base will be a complete 180 from what it was a couple weeks ago. So, um, But again, people are going to be skeptical about this team and this program until they, they prove them differently. So um, it's just about going out and winning games at this point. On the Kadeem side front, visits upcoming to LSU and potentially Arkansas. You heard it or saw it on Twitter or wherever you get your news about Will Wade and also Mississippi State. Um, in regards to basketball recruiting, 
Kadeem Sai, he's got a decision to make. All quiet on the Kadeem Sai front right now for Ole Miss. The visit went well. I've tried to reach out to him multiple times. Haven't been able to touch base with him. What are you hearing as far as his recruitment, and what is your take on the Will Wade stuff that came to the, to the surface over the last couple of days? I mean, with the Will Wade stuff, I just feel like we're kind of piling on at this point. Like nothing, nothing, nothing Will Wade related could surprise me at this point. Um, he's obviously very brazen about the way he goes about recruiting and he just doesn't really care. And yet he still has been reinstated and LSU is seemingly like, well, you know, we're going to just let him go back and do what he does. So yeah, NCAA, if you're not going to do anything, we're not going to do anything either. And, and, I, and I understand like the, they have to let the court That's case the approach to take. Before. That's the approach to take. Yeah. I mean, they have to let the court case finish before the NCAA can do anything about it. And we'll see if they actually do anything about it. But there, there is a, um, the NSA has agreed to, hey, wait and let it play out before they start to investigate. So who knows what the timetable is on that. But the Will Wade stuff doesn't surprise me at all. Do I think it's going to matter for Kadeem's side? Not in the least. I think it's. I don't think it's going to matter at all um, as long as he doesn't get fired or something in the next couple of weeks. Um, as, as for his recruitment, I mean, this is the thing. Sai's done a really good job all along of keeping things kind of quiet. You know, his deal was – Ole Miss was after him for a long time in the fall. LSU was in there, Arkansas, uh, Pitt, and but there wasn't just a whole lot of news. And now he's taking visits, and there's still not a whole not a whole lot of news. So, I, I wouldn't take the silence as a negative. But I think um, I, if you're Ole Miss, you're obviously not thrilled at, at more visits. You're obviously not thrilled at one of those visits going to LSU. And I think it's going to be a nervous couple of weeks, obviously, but. Um, Ole Miss has some things going in their favor that other other schools don't. So I don't think it's a lost cause or anything, but it's just going to be um, a stressful couple weeks for them, I'm sure. At the end of the day, Ole Miss has done everything it can possibly do to land Kadeem Sai. His decision is pretty simple. If he wants to go to LSU and get kind of caught up in all that stuff, hey, do you. You, you make the decision you feel is best for you. That's all on, on the player. Hey, man, make the best decision for you. Ole Miss, the pitch has been the same pretty much throughout. It's been consistent. You have a ready-made starting spot. You're the five. Step in, take an NCAA tournament team potentially to the next level. Now, his decision is ultimately on him. And if he decides to go with LSU, hey, do you? But I feel right now it is a two, two-team two race. I think it's LSU and Ole Miss. Do I think Pitt's a little involved? Yes. Do I think that ECU's involved to a point because he's got a former assistant there? Do I think that Arkansas could play a factor? Yeah, and, and you never, ever, ever want to discount Eric Musselman when he's right. in a recruiting battle. But I think Ole Miss has done enough legwork to where when he does come to decision time, it's going to be Ole Miss and someone else, and that someone else seems to be LSU. So this visit is important. I said it before the visit ever happened to Ole Miss, that if he comes to Ole Miss and he doesn't shut it down, doesn't uh, eliminate the remaining visits, it's going to get a little hairy. Well, it's going to be hairy, but no one's talking to him. No one's getting him on the phone. I've tried. Everyone's tried. He's keeping it close to us, like you mentioned. So Trying to project what's going to happen is impossible right now. But I will say that Ole Miss has done everything it can conceivably do to land that kid. If it doesn't get him, so be it. It's done everything possible. Right. And I think some people have kind of freaked out too much. You know, the visit happened and it's weird. Usually someone takes a visit and the optimism rises from a fan base that's kind of following that or whatever. Um, it seemed like it did the opposite for, for Ole Miss, at least from a fan base perspective. He visited – and he didn't shut it down. And I don't know that it was ever realistic for him to completely shut it down 
you know, I, I think there was some hope there, but I don't know that it was ever the likely outcome was for him to shut it down and, and sign right there. So, um, but he took the visit and people are saying now, oh, well, he's, there's no news and he's going to take these visits. And obviously like things are going badly. No, the visit was good. You know, he got to see Devontae Shuler. They're close. You know, they've got Bryce Williams coming in. Their teammates, this coaching staff is close with him, been on him for a long time. So I, I just don't know where the where the negativity is coming from. But at the same time, obviously, um, adding visits and Will Wade getting back, getting his job back, obviously, throw a wrench into things if you're Ole Miss. So just going to be a, a stressful couple weeks, and Ole Miss has to be ready to pivot if he you know goes somewhere else. In the absence of news, fans and media will come up with something to fill that vacuum. <laughs> Happens every oh, single absolutely. day, absolutely. especially in recruiting. He's Bennett Hip. I'm Ben Garrett. This is Ben Talk of Champions at Spirit Ben at Bennett Hip. If you haven't already, subscribe to Review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available on SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Going to be back this week with a mailbag. Don't know who the host is going to be. Maybe Bennett, maybe Monkey Perkins, maybe Kentrell Lockett, maybe Sudo Upadea. I don't know. But a mailbag potentially coming on Thursday. So get your questions in at Spirit Ben and at Rebel Sport Radio if you want to hit us up there. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. Absolutely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.